Hi, David Thexton here, and welcome to podcast number five of Everything Business Consulting, brought to you by Consultex Business Success Programme. This weekly podcast is for those of you out there who are a business consultant or you want to become a business consultant. You may already be a business consultant but are looking to improve your skills. You may be working in corporate and you want to get out of the rat race and start a new career. Or you may be an accountant or ex-business owner. The common theme here is that you are looking for a new profession, one that enables you to help business owners plan your own lifestyle, earn a lot of money and have the option to build a substantial consulting business if you want to take it further. Today we're going to look at some case histories of clients of mine. But before we do this, let me tell you about Consultex Business Success Program. Consultex is an online cloud-based business consulting application that has everything you need if you want to become a business consultant or be a better business consultant. With over a decade of development, Consultex offers you a unique opportunity to enter the world of business consulting with a complete system ready to run straight out of the box. In other words, once you sign up, you have access to everything you need to build a consulting business for yourself. Get out of the rat race and invest in yourself with your own consulting business. Manage your own time and enjoy a lifestyle business where you are the boss and you benefit 100% from your efforts. Consultex provides a complete web-based training system where you work your way through at your own pace, learning all the important lessons that we have learned over a decade of being in this profession. If this sounds like you, then go to www.info.consultx.com. I'll repeat that, www.info.consultx.com, and learn more about this opportunity. Now let's have a look at those case histories. Today we've got some case histories for you, and these are from my client files over the time that I was consulting from 2005 through to late 2009. I think I had in total about 30 clients. In the first year, my clients were project or assignment based, like a normal consultant. And then as time went on, developed the business success program and I started working longer term with clients which really happened in the in the second year. One of the first clients I want to talk about is is a client that owned a shade sale company. And this client was a uh, a lady who was mid to late 50s who had her two sons who were working in the business uh, with her. A shade sale is a big vinyl um, umbrella type sale um, that people put over swimming pools and children's playgrounds and things like that. And they've been in business for about 20 years. Now her husband had died four years previously uh, and she'd taken over the business and her two sons who were approximately about 30 years old, um, I think they were twins, uh, they helped her in the business plus a couple of other people that actually did the manufacturing out on the floor. Now, I was called in, I met them at a networking meeting, and I was called in to, to do a bit of an assessment for them, and I put them through our Consultex uh, discovery meeting and diagnostic process, and I discovered a whole lot of uh, interesting things. Firstly, the business turned over 
just under $2 million a year. So it, it, uh, although it's a small business, it was, uh, was sizable. And I discovered through the, well, through the, the discovery meeting asking questions that the lady, she's having a lot of issues. She told me the story in one of the first meetings that every morning she comes to work really early and she stops at the traffic lights, it's a T intersection, uh, and she looks behind her, make sure there's no cars there, it's about half past five in the morning, and if there's no cars there, she would sit there while the lights went red, green, red, green, and she would make a decision as to whether she was going to go left to the beach or right to work. And I said to her, I said, boy, you worked really hard. I, I said, you should take... Just, uh, just between you and me, take off half a day and go to the beach and take a good book with you or something like that and have a little bit of me time. And she looked at me rather strangely and she said, David, I was deciding whether I was going to go to work or whether I was going to go to the beach to drown myself. And I felt really stupid. Like Here's a, here's a business consultant advising her to go to the beach and in her mind commit suicide. So once I dug into this a bit more, I discovered that the two sons uh, were the may, well, one of the major issues in the business uh, and that they were constantly fighting and, and they were treating her really, really badly, these two guys. Now they were really tall. They were six foot three or six foot four or something like that and I'm five foot seven. So there's a bit of a size difference. And I remember sitting in one meeting with them and I absolutely read the riot act to them, telling them they could not treat their mother like this, and it's absolutely disgusting, and that they're making her life hell. And I thought, we're going to have a punch up here. But, uh, but no, they took it, and they, they agreed what I was saying was correct. And we started to work on a plan of, of improving their relationship with their mother and improving what they were doing in the business. Some of the other things that I discovered as I was working with them was that I asked them a question. I said, how do you work out your pricing, your sales prices? And she reached down into the bottom drawer of the reception desk and there was a grubby laminated price list of some other shade company, shade sale company, uh, and the date on it was seven years old. And I said, how, what do you, you know, how does this work? And she says, I just go by what this company here was selling them for. But I said, they're seven, that's seven years ago. She says, well, nobody told me any different. So once I dug into it, I found that there was all sorts of issues in the company in that, in that they weren't charging for waste. So they might get a big roll of this vinyl, which was very expensive, I might add, and they might cut out the shapes that they need, and then they'd roll up the waste and then put it on the shelf and counted it as inventory. And I said, but you should be charging the client for this. It's not your fault that that um, that there is wastage when you cut their particular shape out of the out of the big sheet. And I said, what do you do with it? She says, oh, don't worry, don't worry. We 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 sell it. And I said, well, who do you sell it to? She says, well, about once a month somebody comes in and they order a little circular patch about the size of a bar coaster to put on their tent, and I charge them ten dollars for it. And when I look back, the, the estimated value of the wastage sitting on the shelf was about $250,000. So 
Obviously, we, we immediately changed that and started charging for waste. We updated all the pricing. Uh, their gross profit was down somewhere around about 12% and we got it up to 30 uh, and kept increasing it. I also discovered they had no marketing and sales. So I discovered that one of the two sons was a very good salesperson and the other one was a good, good manufacturing guy. So he became in charge of the manufacturing and he had two people that worked for him. Uh, and they brought in a third person when they needed it. And the other son uh, used the uh, the company vehicle and went out uh, around the, uh, the, the around the area in 100k radius uh, selling products. And it was amazing how much he brought in. He brought in huge jobs from international hotels and and uh, and schools and city councils and things like that. Another thing that we did was we hired a bookkeeper because. I am very, very stringent on having monthly accounts. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So this bookkeeper came in every Thursday for the afternoon and I showed her the system. We put them onto um, Myob. It was old-fashioned Myob in those days, one that come off the discs. Uh, and within about two months, we were tracking and we were getting really good reports. And the mother, all the sons, had not had not seen anything like this in their life. It was like um, showing a caveman fire, you know. Uh, and, and and they started to understand how their business ticked and, and they were able to get... Um, I was with them for two years before I let all my clients go to build the network. Uh, and w when I left, there were nearly $3 million in sales. The GP had gone from 12% to just over 32 approximately. Uh, they had no trouble paying their accounts. Uh, all of that, that, that offcuts, I finally encouraged them to take it all to the rubbish dump. And it was just a waste of space. Uh, and I had the, one of the boys out there marketing uh, and doing sales and the other one running the factory. Uh, and it was, a, it was a dream consulting job, really. And then she came round, after about a year, um, she came round to my office. She pulled up the driveway uh, and this woman walked in and I didn't recognize her. She had had a total makeover. She had her hair done. Um, she had her makeup done. She lost weight. She had some nice, nice trendy clothes and things like that. And it was a complete and absolute turnaround from, from where it was when I first met her when she was considering drowning herself. So that's the first quick case history I want to tell you about and just some of the um, basic things that were that were done in, done in that particular business because that, that's an interesting one and they don't need to be $50 million companies to make an impact. They're, they're literally around the world millions of $1 million, $2 million, $5 million companies. The next case history I want to tell you about is a company that made concrete paving slabs. Now they're about one and a half to two inches thick and about maybe half a meter square uh, and they have different colors and they have different finishes on them uh, and um, yeah that, that's what that they sold and they sell them to people who uh, who are wanting to do work in their gardens or they have a an area that they want to pave very popular now this um this company was owned by a husband and wife and they previously before i met them they'd owned a video slash general store out in the countryside and uh, i i'd seen that business before because it was um it was on my way home so i, I was familiar with it so i say a video store as well was this was would have been uh, 2010 or somewhere thereabouts 
And they made these paving slabs, they sold them to about um, 100 garden centres within about a 200 kilometre radius of where their factory was. And they, uh, they had, I was trying to think, they had maybe about 10 colours and about 10 different uh, um, finish patterns on them from, from really coarse to, to pebbly surfaces on them. Now when I met this lady, uh, I met her through a networking organisation, through BNI actually, which most of you will probably know, and I had the discovery meeting with her, we went down the road and had a cup of coffee, and, and she just, halfway through the discovery meeting, when I started asking her questions about, about the state of the business and how it was affecting her life and things like that, and she just burst into tears and said that uh, she was having a really bad time and she felt that they were going to go out of business, and she keeps having this recurring dream. And I asked her what that was about, and she said, my recurring dream is that every night I go to bed and I'm dreaming, I see myself with a shopping trolley outside of takeaway bars or hamburger bars, um, sifting through rubbish tins to find food. And I thought, oh, this is, this is way outside of my league, I'm not a psychologist. But I said to her, this isn't, this isn't really good, this is an underlying problem that you've got. Well, what had happened was, since they left the video general store, her husband had had a nervous breakdown to the point where he couldn't even get out of bed in the morning and couldn't even come to work. So the business was left to um, the mother uh, and her son, who was about 35, I think, and then three factory workers. It wasn't a huge business, but, it, but it's similar to the shade sale business where it was about roughly around about $1.8 to $2 million. But... They couldn't make any money. There was never money. There was never never money in the bank. They could never pay the bills. Problem after problem. So so I had a very close look at this. And um, one of the first things that I suggested, I observed, I sat up on their mezzanine floor where their lunchroom was and watched their little factory operating. Like They would mix up five tons of concrete and a giant concrete mixer and then put the colour in and then they would run it through a machine, a manual machine that would pour the concrete into these moulds, just like you make a jelly. And they'd have one person cleaning the moulds, one person putting the moulds on a conveyor belt, one person standing at the machine um, pulling the lever to fill the mould up with concrete, one person pushing it down a conveyor uh, and then putting it onto a pallet with big wooden boards in between uh, and then when the pallet was full they would take it with a forklift and put it up in racking which it would take 24 hours for it to set and go hard. So I looked at that and I, I, I did a, a few time emotion studies and, and, uh, and deduced that the three, maybe four people that were down there doing that job, um, that they were slow and they were spending a lot of unnecessary money on labour. So I went down to an engineer shop a few kilometres down the road and I uh, got a big piece of paper and drew a picture of something and I said, can you make this? And what it was, was it was a weigh table um, for weighing things. So you'd put the mould on the weigh table and when you pushed a green button, the, the concrete valve would open and exactly the right amount of concrete would pour into each mould and then it would shut off uh, and then I put some, got some conveyoring made. Cut a long story short, the f roughly four people in the factory 
uh, we cut down to two, which was an immediate saving uh, in, in wages, but also what happened was the productivity doubled. So it was like a quadruple whammy. We halved the wages and we doubled the output. So the thing, the business immediately started making money. Um, and I think that whole um, engineering job cost about, um, about $18,000. It wasn't expensive at all. Now, I also brought in simultaneously a bookkeeper uh, because they have no records. And as I previously mentioned, it was really important to have to have monthly financials for your clients because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So the bookkeeper came in every Thursday, same as the other business, uh, and was uh, they were using Mob as well, uh, and was all, uh, entering all the data that was in, and we were able to get, by about the fourth of the month, after the end of each month, we were able to get a very accurate picture of, uh, of the business, profit and loss, balance sheet, etc., and things like that. I went and helped them. I went uh, to, um, this is in Australia, I went down to the head office of a big hardware store that was there that sold paving slabs, and I did three trips down there over about two months, and I managed them to get, the, get them another 148 garden centres to add to the ones that they already had. Uh, and that took their turnover from 1.8 up to about 2.6, 2.7 million. So we improved the gross profit, we lowered the wages, we increased the stock turnover, we increased the sales and distribution, and we started measuring the business. Uh, and uh, that was a success story. And then they sold the business. I think it was about uh, a year after I'd finished, finished consulting with them, they sold the business and got a million dollars, 1.1 million for it and retired. So that was a very, very good outcome considering where we started, which was having dreams about eating rubbish out of uh, rubbish bins outside of uh, takeaway hamburger bars. That was a good one. You may have seen in some of the earlier videos uh, that, that we've put out that business owners around the world get a license from their government for a few hundred dollars and there's no test uh, and no exam to do and no training to do or anything like that. So this means that people go into business and they don't have an idea of what they should be doing. They have no systems and processes or very little uh, and they're doing things, generally they're doing things wrongly and they just start eating away at their house. They keep increasing their mortgage to the point where they can't borrow any more and then the bank, bank starts to take a special interest in them and uh, and then it's the uh, the slippery slope towards going out of business. That leads into the third case history here, which is about a printing business that was turning over one and a half million. Now, their husband and wife team again, I met them in a networking meeting again, and, and by the time I met them, which would have been about um, 2010, they were, um, they've been in business for 21 years, and they bought this uh, their land, this one acre of land, uh, back in uh, or 21 years previously for around about $300,000. I had a house on it. Uh, they built a four-car garage on it, uh, and a bit bigger than that, actually, probably a six-car, uh, and they had the little printing factory out the bank at the back, and they had offices in the front. Now, one thing that they've been doing, I, I, um, I got all of their, all of their um, 
profit and losses and balance sheet and um, right back to 21 years, they're all in one file. They're all beautifully annually measured and discovered that uh, every year they were either breaking even or making a loss. And what they would do is they would go to the bank and they'd borrow another $50,000, put it into the business, live on that $50,000 and then go back to the bank the next year and get another $50,000. Now after 21 years, their property had gone from $300,000 up to about uh, $1.2, $1.3 and their mortgage had gone from, I think, $150,000 uh, up to $980,000, almost a million dollars. So they might as well have done nothing and they might as well have just kept borrowing on their house and gone to the beach every day for 21 years. I never said that to them, but I often thought that. So we had to fix this business, and I had a really close look at it again. Uh, went through the discovery meeting, the diagnostic meeting, uh, and uh, one of the first things I noticed is that the owner, he was fixated on business cards. He gave the impression that the only thing that they could produce were business cards. Um, or calling cards, depends which country you come from. And uh, these were, uh, um, he was fighting in a really competitive market and he would charge $99 and people down the road would do 69 and 79 for 500 cards. And I said, look, I said, there's no money here. Um, go and fish in, a, in another pond where it's not so competitive. So I, I encourage them to develop a whole lot of new products, things like letterheads and brochures and and DL flyers and, and lots and lots of different different products that they could produce. The 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 woman um, was very very good at um, at designing. She'd been and done a designing course at the local university. So I got her working on that, and and then they were doing about um, three to five brochures a week. Uh, when I went there, they had the printing machine out the back, which is the old ink printing machine that we all know and love. But they also had a very expensive Rank Xerox color photocopier slash printer that was a really sexy bit of kit. Uh, like I come from the printing industry, and this thing, just photographic quality, cut, stapled, did, did everything. You could produce a brochure at the rate of about one every 30 seconds and charge between about four and six dollars for it, depending on how many pages. Anyway, so we got to the point where we had that thing absolutely cranking. It was it was working five days a week. They had no marketing plans, so, so I encouraged them and I helped them to hire a salesman to go around the uh, around the local area, about a 20k radius, and then he started pulling work in. Like once they had some sample brochures and sample um, pamphlets and things like that, uh, they could um, give him something and he would bring, he'd bring in, oh gosh, something like maybe about um, $5,000 worth of work a day from memory, something like that, which was all work they never had. And once they got a client, they never lost them. They also brought in uh, a bookkeeper. Yes, I know, boring, boring. But they couldn't measure whether they were um, doing bad or doing good in the business. So the bookkeeper helped them to get their book straightened up because I was targeting for them to make a profit every month. Uh, and by about the 10th of the month following, uh, I expect to be able to have a look at, at the profit and loss um, and records and, and, and make sure they are making a profit. 
The branding was also very old-fashioned and um, funny, really, because the lady owner uh, was a designer. So I got her to design a new logo for us and rebranded everything, and it looked really, really good. So uh, immediately, almost immediately, maybe three months down the track, it went from making a, a break-even or a loss to making a pretty reasonable profit. And uh, after a year of working with them, they didn't need to go to the bank to borrow any more money because the business was not only generating an income for them, but it was also uh, generating, it was, there was money going the other way uh, and they were able to start paying it back to the bank uh, to try and reduce that, that mortgage. So that was a, a very interesting business. And um, yeah, I'm particularly glad that we did well on that one. The last business I want to talk about was a spring water company that that also had a range of soft drinks as well. And this company uh, had been going for about 50 years and the soft drink company had been going for about 100 years. It was a local um, iconic brand. And I met the owner actually at a motor racing meeting, believe it or not, and he had one of those little, little motorbike powered sports car things. Uh, and uh, and I've met him some years before when I was in the beverage industry, uh, when I was in Australia at the fruit juice conference, and uh, and we saw each other at this motor race meeting and, and had a cup of tea, a chat, and he said, uh, come up and see me. Um, so I had to do it, it was about a two-hour drive, but I went up there, and, uh, so, and what he had was he had a 900-acre farm that was... Uh, where he had a spring that was producing about a million litres an hour of 100-year-old spring water. In other words, it had fallen as rain 100 years ago. And uh, he had this, this plant with state-of-the-art equipment in it. Uh, and he also had, as I mentioned, um, he, I didn't mention this, sorry, but he had purchased uh, about two years before a soft drink company which had been around for 100 years. And he amalgamated together, which was a sensible thing to do. So, so the problem that he was having was that was that he never had any money. And when I dug into it and found out how he managed his business, uh, he said he manages by it by how much money he's got in the bank. And when I pointed out that this was not a uh, an accurate way of of doing that, uh, he said, "Well, well, uh, how else do I do it?" So we had, in, in all, we had three meetings. And I did the diagnostic, I did the uh, discovery meeting, uh, I, uh, it was a big company, well, big-ish company, about $12 million a year, uh, and I deduced that there was profit leakage in this comp company of something like uh, around about 10% or $1.2 million per year. So I did, um, I, think, I think it was three or four um, meetings up there because I, I know a lot about beverages and I felt that I could offer a lot to this company. He had a general manager who was an accountant who had been with him for two or three years uh, and I started to include him in the meetings that we were having. And I absolutely, like I tried my best to get accounts out of him but it was one excuse after another after another after another uh, and it took um, it took about six weeks and I finally got a set of accounts 
and then I asked him for the previous year's accounts and that took another month to get those. So I sat down in my office at home and I spread them all out on the table and they didn't make sense. Like the opening and closing balances from one year to the next were incorrect and there was just, it was, it was not, uh, it was not correct. I don't know how he got it through the tax department because I thought that they were smarter than that. But anyway, so so time went on, time went on, and and they weren't a client. I was trying to get them as a client, and they I ended up with a meeting uh, with the owner in a coffee bar in the little town near to where um, his his business was, and I said, look, I said this person who's the uh, who's the CEO, I'm afraid he doesn't know what he's doing. And he has these books are just a pile of, of inaccuracies. Uh, and uh, you think he told he told the owner that the business was making about two million dollars a year. And I said, I think you're losing two million dollars a year on twelve million dollars turnover. And he went absolutely he went ballistic. And like the story with the two sons, he was a lot bigger than me and he had fists like hams and he leaned over the table in the coffee bar and he said to me, he said, don't you dare talk about his CEO like that. We've been together for three years. We won the local business association, business of the year competition. Look, there's a picture of me getting the trophy. There's nothing wrong. And I said, look, look, I'm telling you, hand on my heart, there is a big problem here. And if you don't do something about it really quick, uh, I'm afraid your business is going to go out of business. So he told me to clear off using different language than that, colourful language. Uh, and I said, okay, fine. So I did. So I got in the car and drove two hours back to where I lived. Uh, and, then, and then what happened was about, oh, about four months later, um, uh, Amanda and I had moved back to New Zealand. Uh, and we're running the business from over here. And then we're here for about, or three months, and he rang me up, and he said, David, I need to apologize. He said, everything that you said was 100% correct. He said, this person um, had been cooking the books, and that producing just accounts for him that were just made up, and that I was in fact right, and that uh, the business was losing about $2 million a year, and now he was in really big trouble with the bank uh, because he produced these over the years, these false accounts, uh, and they were loaning money on his 900-acre family farm. And could I come and help him? And I said I couldn't because I lived in New Zealand now and that um, I was really sorry to hear that, but he'd need to find himself, find somebody to, to, who, who could help him who was suitably qualified. So yeah, so that was a bit sad that. Um, that was at the point where I didn't take clients on anymore because I was building this, this business. And uh, uh, I heard about two years after that, which would have made it about um, 2013, um, through a friend of mine in Australia and also through the media, that the business had gone spectacularly bankrupt and that he'd lost the farm uh, and, um, and everything. Uh, and he ended up penniless. Now, I never got him as a client, uh, and although I did try my hardest, but he was just in complete denial and refused to believe what was really going on in his business. And honestly, uh, going back in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, 
Um, I think I could have tried harder. Uh, and I don't like saying that, but I do think that I could have tried harder. I could have really, yeah, I could have tried harder. I could have brought some evidence for him and things like that. Uh, and uh, and possibly I could have got the business, got the account, and I could have stopped it before it went uh, before it went out of business. So that was a very important lesson to me because, well, never give up, never ever give up. Uh, and I got a bit frightened when he threatened to punch me, uh, and uh, and and thought, oh, it's not worth it. But I should have tried that little bit harder and uh, and um, taken a gun with me. No, just joking, but. Uh, but yeah, and I, I probably could have, I could have got it, but I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to waste my time with this guy. But, but it was sad to see eighty people lose a job and his family to lo lose a farm that had been in his family for well over a hundred years. Very, very disappointing. So yeah, so that's the last of the case histories. I hope you found them interesting. The point I'm making here is that that every business has got issues inside it. And it doesn't matter from the outside, they appear to be um, trucking along nicely and, and appear to be making lots of money and the car park's full of Mercedes Benzes and things like that. Once you start scratching under the surface, you'll find, be very surprised what you find out uh, about the business. And you'll find that a lot of business owners are in denial and are delusional. Uh, and uh, part of our client acquisition process, we cover that very uh, very um, deeply because we need to get them to see the real picture before we can actually sign them up as a client. My definition of a lifestyle business is one where you decide the hours you work, who you want to work with and how much you want to earn. Many people I talk to describe in detail the drudgery of their current job, hours of commuting, boring meetings, little chance of promotion and remuneration just enough to live on. Imagine a business where you can take the kids to school when you want to, have a three or four day weekend when you want to, cut out the commuting and have complete freedom of your time. Business consulting is a business where you get paid for what's between your ears, not the hours you work. Working on a percentage of revenue basis frees you from time-based earning systems and takes away all income ceilings. I've worked from home since 2005, and right now I'm looking out of my office window at the green rolling pastures of New Zealand, about 50 kilometres south of Auckland. It's fantastic. But in order to move forward, you have to make some important decisions to make that change. You've already started that change by listening to this weekly podcast. This podcast is all about that change, and each week we'll be highlighting a number of topics and features that will be of interest to you, whether you are already a consultant or you are looking to become one. We'll interview people in our network and we'll dig deep into what makes them tick and why they have become successful. We'll read out your letters and we'll answer any questions you may have. We'll discuss a case history from our client files, and we'll also discuss a special topic each week from our listeners' suggestions. That's you. Bottom line, if you are a business consultant or you want to become one, this is the podcast for you. This podcast will be recorded every Monday New Zealand time and will be available to you each Wednesday US time. Our email address for communication is david at consultx.com. I'll repeat that, david at consultx.com 
If you want any more information right now, then go to www.info.consultix.com. I'll repeat that again, www.info.consultix.com. There you'll find everything you need to know to become part of our Consultix network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week on Everything Business Consulting.